0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we take subjects and try and create some order from the disorder. But more likely, we're going to create some disorder along the way and try and smooth it out for you. You can follow us on Twitter at Information Entropy Pod. That's wrong. That is wrong. That's our Instagram. Information Entropy Pod. Twitter at Info Entropy Pod. Did I come up with that, or did you come up with that? I think it was you, mate. Ah, oh, that's that's my bad. That that does not roll off the tongue. Um, You can follow us also on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your RSS feed for podcasts. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Today we are bumbling through the intro. We're going to talk about migration, (laughs) apparently. This is how today's going.
1: We're just going to migrate our way past the introduction, back Mm. into the normal show. Uh, For first time listeners, who are you, mate?
0: Oh, you know what? I just expect everyone to be listening now, all the time. Yeah, how dare you? How dare this be your first episode? <laughs> uh, my name is Mitchell. I'm joined Hello, by... I'm Tom. I'm uh, Tom.
1: Yeah, going.
0: as per usual.
1: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not hey. too shabby.
0: I heard you've been doing nothing for a month, mate.
1: Uh, <laughs> You'd be correct, mate, to be honest. <laughs> I've been having... Not through my own, like, kind of uh, choice. It was, you can't yeah. work until this date. So it's like, okay, mm, I guess mm-hmm. I'll take that time to mentally recuperate, get some work done, say,
0: travel how, around a bit. How? When was the last time you had, like, a proper break of this magnitude? Uh, well, I've been
1: doing this for a year and a half. And before that, I was working freelance, so that wasn't really a break. And before that, I was doing my masters, and before that, I was working freelance.
0: So I'd say a good three or four years. Nice. And then you've had a, a whole month to yourself. Yeah, to those fun stuff. Intruding thoughts, those inescapable <laughs> <laughs> thoughts uh, that come to you in it the happens, dark. You, know. you
1: know, it's all right. I've been, I've been funneling those thoughts into positive energy. Yeah? And ice cream.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. And also falling off your bike.
1: Yeah, you know, that's something we didn't have to bring up. But yeah, I,
0: it's, falling it's off my story. bike
1: twice in one morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you want to feel sorry for anyone, uh, maybe you're feeling down in the dumps, but feel free <laughs> to laugh at my tragedy of a morning the other day. We're not on a bike, ride, right? I'm trying to, you know, get the heart <laughs> pumping once a day. Mm. Um get stung by a wasp in the ankle right and it's it's not not like like i'm going that slowly Mm. but uh so i don't know how it landed on my leg i must have i don't know rode into it and it was like what are you doing and stung me
0: you know what the only time i've been i've been stung by a wasp also as well riding a bike so oh well then it's
1: obviously where they hunt yes (laughs) it's obviously (laughs) what they hunt
0: the natural Um, hunting ground of a wasp (laughs) Me looking
1: down at my ankle, like, why is a wasp there and stinging me? (laughs) Obviously, I took my eyes off the road a little bit. Um, May have came together with another gentleman riding his bike, who, to be fair, also did not look left whilst entering a a cycle lane. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. It is what it is. Went to the pharmacy, get some alcohol wipes. And I was like, oh, you know what? That's that's hurt my feelings. I'm going to get a pastry to fill that hole <laughs> in my heart. And uh, on the way to get a pastry to fill the hole in my heart, I fell off my bike again. On the other side, though, to even even things out. So, yeah, uh, your day did not go as badly as that half an hour for me, at least. Yeah. So, take some comfort from that. Oh, yeah, never got the pastry because I was too ashamed. So I never even got to fill the hole of my heart with fatty Italian pastries. Yeah. Probably for the best. I mean, I was out there to cycle, you know, lose the weight, not gain it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so that's my that I, news. <laughs> I thought, the one time that I got stung, I got stung uh, inside the mouth of my bottom lip. What? My, Mate, you're not meant to eat wasps. <laughs> you can, no, my mum and I we went out for a, a cycle ride. Uh, this was like I'm talking years ago, right? Like, I I had a, a giant boulder, which is was was a classic at the time. It was a red and silver bike, mountain bike. Uh, and we decided to we we're gonna cycle the place. We set off three minutes in, going down a hill. I take a breath because you know we're going down a hill, and I'm breathing is a thing that humans do. And as I was take a breath through my mouth. Uh, the wasp was like, ah, oh, <laughs> sick cave flies in and then stings me on the inside of the uh the old lip. I
1: That's tragic, mate. It,
0: it sucked. Absolutely sucked.
1: I'm sure. I hadn't yeah. been stung by a bee or wasp in so long as well. Mm-hmm. And at work we have them because we have lots of fish around. Uh to feed the animals. So they always come to try and like take a bit of fish away, especially if you accidentally leave one out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it just smells a dead fish, so it attracts wasps. I hadn't been stung by one. Yeah, I get stung by one on a
0: bike ride. Yeah, that's oh, just how time. it goes. Is it just acceptors? how it goes? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, getting into the meat and vegetable vegetables of this show that we call the Information Image Pod.
1: Yeah, let's get to some science rather than tragic life updates, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, so, no, the news this week, uh, I believe it is it's, it's my turn it to cover the news. It is, yes. Yeah. So, when we were discussing what we could going to do this week, we thought we may cover uh, migration and also mating. So, we're going to split that off at some other point in the future, we'll also have a, a mating episode. Uh, but... So I looked at the news that was to do with mating. Uh, and this week, it comes from Korea, the news. Uh, they've just shattered their own record. Oh. Round of for Korea for the world's lowest fertility rate. Oh, okay. <sighs>
1: yeah. Be in so Japan, is, then.
0: Yeah, uh, they, the South Korea has always been lower than Japan. Oh, uh, has it? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've always had the world's lowest wait, um,
1: fertility is different to like what I think I was thinking of. Birth like birth Japan rate. has a really low birth rate, right?
0: Yeah, no, it's the same. Fertility rate is the uh, rate okay, right. For it. Which I agree. I don't think that should be the terminology because it's they're not saying how fertile women are, because fertile women could potentially be like, not gonna have kids. Children in this economy? I anyway, like <laughs> in you know this environment. We're not gonna have kids. So it's nothing to do with fertility, it's pure it should be birth rates. but <clears throat> it is what it's called. So yes. Uh it faces the prospect of this their their population of 51 million, uh more than halving by the end of the century if it continues on this trend. Okay. So uh based on last year's data, because they haven't finished the consensus this year yet, um women, Korean women they have an average of just 0.81 children over their lifetime which is down from 0.84 uh, last year not last year, the year before, so 2020 so okay, yeah the number of newborns declined last year by two hundred and sixty thousands, which equates to about 0.5% of the population that's mad it, it is it absolutely and we, we've talked about this before we've done interviews with people that have reported this information before yeah so it is beginning to become an actual issue uh and one of the the issues of specifically with south korea they have one of the world's fastest aging nations among economies yeah so because they've got a really old population and they're not refilling it with the younger ones like it's going to turn out to be a major economic issue if there people there's not people to work and then people are oh, just... like
1: everyone's in on their pension like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well we'll see. I'm sure there are trends and stuff like that. I, I mean I'm my fertility rate knowledge in history is not extensive. Yeah. Uh, so
0: So but I'm, I'm sure there
1: are ups so, and downs
0: as yeah. well. So specifically I, I and I know maybe other countries in Asia did it but uh, specifically with Korea after the Korean War in 1950 um, which lasted three years they the government kind of did this drive to like create another baby boom essentially Um, then what happened after that is they (laughs) then encouraged children only to have one child which is where like one-to-one child policy comes from. Um, But then that got scrapped at the, the beginning of the century as the birth started to very, very sharply fall. And the government is actually spending tens of millions of dollars to try and correct this. Uh, But currently there's been like no successful initiatives so far that have helped it.
1: Like their own kind of targets worked so well. So they, they yeah. managed to get a baby boom and then encourage the baby boomers to not have only have one child yeah obviously that's going to half the population if they all do that Mm -hmm. oh okay yeah yeah interesting Uh, and that kind of coincides with them becoming a developing nation as well like i imagine because south korea is obviously doing incredibly well um i mean you think of seoul right one of the like (laughs) technological centers of the world yeah um it is a fully developed nation i'm sure in some parts it, it, it's not uh as is as it is with most countries
0: but mm, right.
1: we, we like there is a lot of data showing when a nation uh let's say develops <laughs> becomes a developing or uh, developed nation that their birth rate drops because women in education decide actually they can go for a career rather than just having children and some people still want to do that and that's absolutely great and that's if that's the choice for you, that's the choice for you. But research has shown that birth rates do drop when mm. nations, let's say, in quotes, develop. Because yeah. that's a is, odd term. Is,
0: I think there was also um a statistical parallel between like smarter women want smarter men, and the pool is smaller. So like percentage chances of yeah, finding okay. people yeah. and finding the compatible match that they want. Yeah.
1: Oh mate, we we need to start up a South Korean Smart match dating platform, and we'll be millionaires. <laughs> get on the government payroll. Yeah. Easy peasy.
0: It. Create uh, a K drama around the matching. Yeah. That's, like, that's, like, that's a great way to like push the name and the brands is create a K drama. Yeah. And then uh get some K pop stars to sing about it as well. Yeah. And then apparently everything to do with courage but a K in front of it. And then it becomes that. So K match. K dating, okay, yeah, K, K match is much better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, because it's like got a K in front of it, you port it back over to the Western world, oh. and that will just suck it up.
0: Yeah, and then you call it UK dating.
1: Oh no, you've got to have the K in, otherwise people won't find it interesting. You know,
0: like K Yeah, yeah, I mean, like because it's U, but not we're not gonna like do U.K. dot K. It's gonna be U. UK dating, UK yes. See, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when we're
1: famous, rich millionaires, we'll document this adventure yeah, for you all over uh, for the next all few those years. Listening,
0: uh, TM copyright. It's already been painted in. but I'm doing it right yeah. now. So I'm already <laughs> it. There approved, there approved, yeah. sorted. It's gone oh, s- right. fl- Flown past the ethical committee as well. Like, it's all good.
1: Yeah, they they love this stuff.
0: Right back on track shall we
1: (laughs) if this is (laughs) your first episode by the way (laughs) welcome (laughs)
0: welcome welcome welcome
1: um we like to tangent a little bit and sometimes we manage to stay on track
0: Mm. Uh, so
1: let's migrate back once more to the starting point of all of this which is migration uh we'd like to start the show off with some facts do you have any facts for us
0: uh i've got yeah i do yeah on here, right, which one? Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. The sooty, so, yeah, sooty. I always think it's, it's wrong, but the sooty shearwater migrates 20,000 miles. The sooty shearwater is a medium large shearwater in the seabird family. Um, and they first seen, uh, well, first referred to in in writing. By the, the Italian naturalist Ulysses Aldrovandi in the 1600s. And they fly that Yeah. It's pretty mad. It, yeah, it's very, very far. Very far. Very far. Yeah. Very far. Um, got another fact about a bird later on, but we'll talk about that in much more detail. Um, and then the other one I actually looked at, I thought it was quite interesting. I keep telling people about this, is but it's to do with the migration of humans and how uh it's to do with sending money because a lot Ah. of people they work abroad and then send send money back home um not so much these days due to you know covid and home countries and places of work being rubbish now especially the uk who'd want to come and work and live here um but it's to do with like ways around of uh sending money between countries uh and and a lot of people still do it with banks and there's lots of fees that incur, but there's there's many ways around it. The first one being a form of cryptocurrency that is the quickest and also cheapest way of sending money. Because even, I think, if you use like a big uh, big brand like Coinbase, the money that it takes, like the fees that they take to purchase is like infinitesimally smaller than the bank charging fees for you sending the money between bank accounts. Okay and is instant. But the other one is there are agencies that essentially owe each other in different countries and they yeah. don't actually send the money. They just say, right, can you send this person this much? And we'll take um, our money down this much on our side. And this is like constant float going on of people owing each other money. Uh, okay. Which I thought was quite quite interesting because no money actually gets sent between countries. It's just, it's just the it stays, yeah, it stays in the country. Um, and then I guess they, <laughs> at some point, they do a check on the balances and pay off what's owed on either side. Yeah, yeah,
1: but doing it in one go would be cheaper than doing tons of different ones.
0: Yes, indubitably. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah, all I'm saying, right, Algorand is a, a governance token, uh, which means that the people decide what's going on and the fees are... Like a 0.0001p at the moment for sending money. So if you want to go on that, everybody. No, thanks. Appreciate it. Spoken this is like not a financial- true shareholder. <laughs> uh, this is not financial advice. <clears throat> I'm going to put that yeah, on there. So i get there. Sued. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, now, Before I give out my facts, what is the bird you may come back to later? I don't want to uh, step bird, on your toes.
0: The bird that I'm going to come back to later is the frigate bird.
1: Okay, so one of my facts about the Arctic turn, which holds the record for the longest annual migration recorded by any animal ever. Any animal ever. Recorded. So it may not be the longest one that to have ever existed, but recorded. So moving between Greenland Mm -hmm. and Antarctica, so opposite hemispheres there, Uh, In a zigzag route, the bird covers 44,000 miles in a year and will travel the equivalent of going around the earth 60 times in their lifetime. Which is madness. Yeah. For a bird. They're not like the biggest birds ever. So that must take some good going Arctic turn. Let me just... uh, Size... It's about sixty-four to seventy-six centimeters Oof. wingspan. Its height uh, or length, sorry, is only twenty-eight to forty-one centimeters. So, if you've got a thirty-centimeter ruler, that's the length yeah. of the bird.
0: Uh yeah. I thought I thought it'd probably be smaller than larger because, larger, you got like power-to-weight ratio issues going on. Where if you're small, you don't need as much of a gust to. I guess it doesn't like fly, but it glides. Glides like, as around. Light, as lighty is it? Just falling with style. Yeah. Like.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, my other one.
0: Toy.
1: Yeah, go <laughs> I Great film, by the way, like, yeah, Much better than it had any right to Oh, yeah, any, any no, right. Any so right rather. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dragonflies. Yes. Right. Are capable of long distance migrations, but until 2009, we had no idea how far they traveled. Scientists discovered a 14,000 to 18,000 kilometer dragonfly route that spanned from India to the Maldives, Seychelles, Mozambique, Uganda, and back again. Mm -hmm. Flying 4,400 miles over open ocean waters wow a dragonfly
0: yeah well it's like um have you learned have you heard of like the the sagma
1: nice try mate <laughs> nice <laughs> nice try
0: <laughs> two episodes in a row is not gonna happen <laughs> uh, uh, like I'm, the, um, I'm on my watch now <laughs> 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 what'd you get a dragonfly about the fly
1: Dragon knees nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get dragon into a sentence, you know, normally. I, I was thinking about that one. Uh, but I, I didn't know how to get it into a normal sentence on a science podcast. D&D podcast, I'd have you. Oh, easy. Yeah, yeah. First but, uh, we haven't got around to setting that up yet.
0: Literally first sentence of a tavern. Oh, there's dragons around these parts. Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bloody hell. Right. Facts done. News done. Tangenting done.
0: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Maybe maybe for now. So,
1: migration. Yeah. What is that, mate? Because it's not an easy one to define. I found every paper has a slightly different definition, and many people just disagree.
0: I got a really simple one that I think everybody can agree with. Okay, yeah, go. Hit me. Just give me one second to make sure that it's right. Yeah, here we go. okay. <clears throat> Migration. Migration is the what the movement of a group of animals from one place to another, and in most cases, back again. Nice.
1: Can I add to that definition?
0: No, that's it, mate. That's, that's, that's uh, it. Right. That's okay. it. That's it again. Maybe you can add uh, like. Most migration is seasonal, but that's all you get.
1: Yeah, but that's, some examples are unseasonal as well. Yeah, yeah, that's why. It's, that's why most. Yeah, is, is uh, there? I've got three features I would like to add to that definition mm. that distinguish migration from normal travel.
0: What is the difference between normal? What's your definition of normal travel?
1: So most animals have what's called a home range, right? It's a distance away from, let's say, their habitat that they will travel for collecting resources or food or mating or socialising, these kinds of things. Migration, however, is a movement of a greater distance than the animal
0: normally travels within its home range. So, okay, my argument then is what about salmon? What do you mean? Because they migrate to go have sex and die. So yeah. it is, it is but the mating is part of that. So is that the mating area of their home range?
1: No, not necessarily. You might migrate to mate, and in that case, that is uh, definitely the case. They migrate. So their normal home range is the open ocean.
0: Yeah, yeah they are
1: migrating right. up the stream where they don't yeah. normally go. Mm-hmm. Um, migration movement is normally purposeful and directional. Like you don't end up going back and forth on yourself. Like, you are going in a certain direction. Yep. Um, and it has a defined beginning area and a defined end area. Because otherwise, you could say every animal migrates, like the albatross, the wandering albatross, for example, which just constantly flies around, but it doesn't really have a start and an end. It just keeps going.
0: Yeah, it's not migrating, then, is it? Exactly. That, and that's the... this is... But it, it doesn't go to one place and come back again. It's exactly. Just, uh, he just yeah. keeps on going.
1: He just keeps on going. And that's why it's not migration. That's just life.
0: He's Roman. He's a nomad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's just got a massive
0: home range, like the entire world. He's bought uh, a van and he's converted the back of the van and he just drives around the UK, stopping off and just, you know, chilling out. He checks
1: out all the different surf spots and beach cafes. Yeah. And occasionally enters a city. Only if it's like Nuki or something. To hint, to them <laughs> Nuki, that's a city.
0: <laughs> Nuki, is, Nuki is not a city.
1: <laughs> to them, that that is mm. a, a hive of scum. <laughs> <millennia. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> throw this throw <laughs> the spells reference.
0: Oh dear. Uh, no offense to anyone from <laughs> Nuki. <laughs> it's a lovely place,
1: great surfing.
0: Uh, it is, yeah. Bad at, bad at Christmas though.
1: Oh uh, yeah. That was fun. Cold.
0: Uh, so but but there isn't, there's, there's another thing on migration. Another oh, yeah. data point, yeah. Partial migration.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, well, that'll come under types of migration, no. I, w- I would nah. consider.
0: Mm, no. What, what do you mm, mean? No, no? That's, so... <laughs> <laughs> we've both done ty- different types of migration.
1: I'm sure but, we have, yeah.
0: But I've gone for, like, how they navigate in their migration different types. Different types of like navigational migration. I've gone oh, for. So, oh, I've m- gone for the, the
1: scientific
0: <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Yeah, well as like they, they get a map out. They get they get they get Google to, yeah. to get Google Maps and they get like a thing. But I was yeah, partial migration. What is that then? Hmm. Partial migration. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, some individuals of partial migrators will migrate when the time comes and some will not. For example, the American robin. So stimuli will come in, change coldening weather or weather heating up. And some of the population will go to a warmer place, while some of them will be like, actually, this is all right, because now there aren't as many robins around, stealing my food. uh, I'll just stay here all year. And then the next year, that same individual may decide to migrate. How's that?
0: Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it.
1: That'll do it. Nice. The red-tailed uh,
0: hawk is also no, also another good example of a partial migrator.
1: That is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that bird. Um, Obviously, you have complete migration, which is all the individuals migrate every year. Mm. No one left behind. Um, bisons. Bisons, <laughs> the Arctic tern I spoke about earlier, like wildebeest across the uh, Serengeti, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. These are behavioral differences in migrators, though. And there's a couple more here. Uh, differential migration. Uh, these species have different migration patterns for different groups. So, for example, you say, well, oh, not, you didn't say anything. <laughs> you could have young herring gulls compared to the adult ones, right? Young herring gulls migrate a shorter distance than older ones, because they just don't have the energy reserves or the experience. And male American kestrels migrate shorter distances than the female ones. Mm. Uh, I don't know the reason for that. But a similar thing happens in seals as well, where there's a lot of sexual dimorphism. But that's for another episode. Then you
0: You're speaking funny words, music man.
1: (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Then you have interruptive migration... And these species do not migrate at all some years, but some or all might migrate other years. And blue jays are a good example of that, mm-hmm. uh, as they will just suddenly leave if all their food runs out, which is a sensible thing to do. Um, so that's how you can classify migration on behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you have a broader sense of migratory Classification as well between obligate migrators, where they have to migrate each year for survival. Again, Mm -hmm. if you think about the wildebeest on the Serengeti, if they don't move around following the rain, then they're just literally going to die. Or you have facultative migration, which is where individuals can choose to migrate or not. And that normally depends on various things I'm sure we'll come on to.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Boom! You can tell I, I've been waiting to do an animal-related yeah, podcast yeah, for a while. I'm no, i was getting it i going to
0: wind you up and let you go here. I think this <laughs> is going to this is going to fly. It's like when you oh. get me on cybersecurity, though. So it's fine.
1: I just love animals, mate. What can I say? It's, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, that's uh, jail time in America. you can be careful. Oh. <laughs> what? What? Okay, moving on. Different types of migration. <laughs>
1: Oh, I've done my type. What else have you got for types?
0: Oh, okay. So, my types. My types are much more interesting. Oh, I'm sure, unlike, yeah. Unlike your partial, total, <laughs> solar eclipse stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jaffer Cakes, anyone?
0: Yeah, chaff Cake advert. That, that's a throwback to... That is a throwback, <laughs> wow. ...adverts when you were yeah. young. Uh, 20, 2000s advert, something else. They like that just car, hit like that different. car crash one. Like, that car crash one where the, the car flips over the wall and the children are having a picnic. Oh and brutal. That got banned pretty quick. I don't remember that. No? Um no. how about the the guy that hit a child and had PTSD, then would see the child everywhere? No. It's a, drive, a safety driving advert. Yeah. That one. Yeah. No, that still haunts me. Uh yeah, the, other, I can the, other, the other driving one where the ominous Ox Followed the person rounds and he would constantly see it in his wing mirrors. Oh, maybe. And it was like the GVLA have got the new scanning system. We know, and you're not insured or taxed. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah.
1: Turns out they did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the one advert that stays with me, and it's because it's an absolute meme, is you wouldn't steal a car, oh, yeah. you wouldn't steal
0: bo- a TV. You wouldn't <laughs> kill a policeman. <laughs> then steal his hat. Then shit in his hat. Then give his hat to his grieving <laughs> wife. Then steal it again. Don't pirate this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just such a stretch. Like, how did we arrive here? Did, uh, uh Yeah,
0: that's but now funny. it's gone full circle. It's like you wouldn't download a car was the meme that came from it. Then people yes. have like three three D printed cars and been like, "Hell yeah, I would." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. Big issue at the moment in three D printing world is people three D printing guns. Yeah, uh, I, d- I
1: didn't hear that. I haven't heard much of it recently,
0: but uh, yeah. at least a couple of years ago. Like um, in the UK, you can't get hold of like proper bullets. When I say proper bullets, I mean like nine millimeter and up, actual like handgun, rifle ammo. But there's lots of like you can buy a shotgun ammo because there's there's things that you use it. Okay. So Old like, tractors. Um, Old tractors to start it, like old some old cars actually use a shotgun bullet to to ignite the engine. Yeah. Weird. Um, but like uh bird scarers and things like that, they use uh shotgun rounds to to okay. make a bang. Um so you can actually buy them, but then you can just 3D print a shotgun essentially, and then just put use the, the legally bought shotgun ammo.
1: Oh, yeah, that is an issue. Yeah, issues. issues. I can't large. imagine it lasts that long, like a one and done.
0: Yeah, but, man, that's all you need. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. If you're planning not going to kill someone, you only need one. Well, that's true. Especially if it's 3D printed. It going not fit inside your pocket. Have you played Rust, where there's the shotgun, where it's like a flint, and they like smash the top of it to get the spark? No. Yeah, I imagine it being like that.
1: Okay. Run yeah, I guess I was thinking of like someone full-on 3D printing, like a... Uh, double-barreled. Yeah. And just having like 10 slung over was, their yeah, back.
0: It's full over under style. Just clear yeah. plastic over under style.
1: That's Matt, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of scary, I suppose.
0: It really is. It is. But a good point, a good thing Alka, is um miniature miniatures. Yeah, the world that's of, world fantastic of miniatures booming business. Is, now. Is, is is booming because and companies like Wizard of the Coast are being absolutely penalized for it. Because people now realise how much they've been overcharging for miniatures for the past 10 years. And that you can buy, like, the Battle Sisters or the Brotherhood or, like, just the 40k guys and just, you know, pay some guy to print them off online. See, I was about so,
1: to ask, like, Warhammer specifically. Yeah. You just make those. Okay, maybe it won't be as good. Uh, I was them, getting them, but, but uh, maybe them it's are, getting better than just, I
0: thought. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Like, I bought a bunch of shields to practice because shields are quite like they're just rectangles, pretty much, to just practice painting on. Um, And they, they, they full go with everything else. And I got like 10 for like two pounds.
1: Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Like, really, you probably good saved life. about 90 quid there. <laughs> yeah.
0: For, fully, 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 fully. Yeah. Right. Migrations, different, to, types of, yeah. different types of migrations. Okay, I'm interested here. So exactly how animals migrate, some animals, okay. is, is, is still one of, one of a great mystery of science. Right. So before people knew about migrations, they had some very unusual explanations for seasonal movements of birds. Some thought the birds spent the winters under the mud of lakes. You didn't realise? <laughs> I, I uh, didn't. Other ancient scientists thought that one kind of bird turns into a different kind of bird during the winter. Well,
1: they weren't too far off (laughs) in some terms. Like Some birds do go through such a dramatic change in colour.
0: Yeah. Uh, Today, we know that those explanations aren't close to being correct, but migration is still a bit of a mystery. Uh, Sometimes it's much closer to understanding this mystery, apart from eels. Eels are still a, a mystery and will always be um they i studied- think it's like they're just so coked up what eels. and this is an actual thing oh right? yeah yeah because the, the, the water the rivers in like uh yeah. europe
1: are so polluted with drugs that it's actually affecting reproductive yeah. cycles of eels. so maybe they're just on a coke-fueled bender of a lifetime yeah and they just go somewhere without even like you know understanding it themselves
0: mm-hmm. uh here are some examples of how animals actually do migrate. Are
1: you ready, With Tom? the legs.
0: With the wings. Oh. Uh, there are some that have the sun compass. It was, oh, the sun okay,
1: okay, yeah, yeah. We're on yeah. the how. Yeah, got you.
0: Yeah, so not just like, oh, they've partially done it. Like, I want to know how they've actually done it. Like, <laughs> they
1: didn't get halfway and give up. They're like, Sharon, this is too much. I can't do this anymore.
0: All right, we're stopping... <laughs> In this London place is nice. This, this, place, this place is nice. Let's just stop it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Look, there's a McDonald's, we can skim the food off. And <laughs> then we saying. can go over in a couple yeah. of months.
0: It's like when you go out for a restaurant, we haven't booked anywhere, and you're just like, oh, it was closed. Right. Well, there was a nice place we saw on the way over. We're gonna stop there. It's halfway, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Um so sun compass. Some migrating animals may use the movement of the sun across the sky to find their way. Since the sun changes position as the Earth rotates, these animals would need to be able to make adjustments to their path of travel so it's not affected by the sun's movement. This is called time compensation, and experiments uh, with the European starling showed that this is how it happens and how they, they navigate. So those animals that they migrate during the day are most likely to use the sun compass to find their way.
1: Yeah, and also sometimes when you release some birds during the day, they'll like fly around a bit to get a a sense of where the sun is before like setting off. And if it's overcast, they'll just keep flying in circles and not actually go
0: anywhere. Oh, that'd be a bit of a pain if you're a pigeon fancier.
1: Yeah, a bit of a pain there.
0: Yeah. It's very
1: interesting because it implies that these animals have an internal clock. Like they can acknowledge the passing of time. Which is something very heavily debated, and there's yeah, some very add, interesting I things. I don't. I don't that.
0: agree. I don't agree with that.
1: No, I get what you mean. How can you like this? But it was just hard to prove.
0: Yeah, you know just, what I mean. Be, just and this because, was one of the just ways because that, like, their internal mechanisms can like understand. Doesn't mean they have a concept of time.
1: No, not it's maybe like, in the sense like that we do. Dark, but like
0: bad, like good, <laughs> that kind
1: yeah, of stuff. Yeah, no, but like. <laughs> more simple than I'm always in the present or not Not even that just more like okay I was there X time ago <laughs> that isn't now right yes. oh, yeah just um, and we have proven it in quite a few species. So the it's very bird,
0: interesting. the bird doing mindfulness. I am in <laughs> the presence. <laughs> I am in the presence. Ground myself. I am in the presence. Yeah. It
1: locks its wings in the place to glide along. Closes its
0: eyes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, on the flip side of the sun compass, we have the star compass. So the star compass is the, is a nighttime version of the sun compass. Uh, so far, it's only been found in birds, Scientists have discovered that young birds learn the position of the north by observing the pattern of stars surrounding the north star, Polaris. These include some familiar constellations such as the Big Dipper, Little Dipper, Draco, Cepheus, and Cassiopeia. Uh, While these constellations rotate around the north star, they stay in the same position in relation to each other. And this allows birds to find north. Many songbirds and shorebirds migrate at night using a star compass. Which is very cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, Moana just popped into my head then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's I the fact they kind of just world. do it like naturally. Like we presume, birds can't tell each other about the stars. It's just baked in there somewhere.
0: Yeah. Is it learned or is it baked? Is it baked or is it learned? Is
1: it baked or learned? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe a bit of both. But they they did prove this um, by putting a bird in a planetarium right from Um, earth (laughs) by uh, itself no they they took a bird into a planetarium and kind of allowed it to like fly so it thought it was flying but it wasn't going anywhere right um and they put the night sky up and it aligned itself to south because that's what its migratory uh path was at the time and then they rotated the sky and then the bird rotated with it that's cool so it was always facing south
0: yeah good
1: way to prove it yeah very interesting yeah. Imagine like, like am taking your bird to a <laughs> planetarium, though. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Can can I just let my bird fly around a bit?
0: Yeah, we're going to tie it down and set up a big fan, and then we're just going to spin <laughs> it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this is essentially how this is going to work. Yeah. Spin it around ten times, blindfold
0: it, let, let it go. <laughs> yeah. All right, the next one right, is the magnetic compass. Oh, yeah. So the Earth is, good as, old as we all know... Reception. Yeah, it has two magnetic poles, the South Pole and the North Pole, and this, if this is the first time you hear about this, I'm <laughs> fucking gored here. Um, these two poles cause the Earth to act like a really big magnet. <laughs> Going North and South between the two poles are invisible magnetic lines of force, and they make the, up the, immerse, the Earth's magnetic field, which is what makes your compass work. The magnetic field is stronger at the poles and weaker at the magnetic equator, which is just a bit different from the equator drawn around the globe. Because is not it like, didn't it used to be like Germany at some point used to be the center and it, fit, and um, it moved? I can't remember well, what like, happened.
1: We, we have like the North Pole, which we know to be the center of the Earth on the Northern Hemisphere, right? And the yeah. same at the South. But like in reality, they move around. Yeah, like it Sometimes shifts. it's in Greenland. It's the- so the, the center will also move around. Yeah. Um. So if you've got your compass, it will point to... North, but not true north. We've yeah. named true north the one that <laughs> the landmark rather than the actual pole. Mm-hmm. I think
0: so. At some point, the magnetic field touches the earth at an angle called the dip angle, and birds and other animals, such as sea turtles, can find north and south because they're able to detect the magnetic lines of force. Uh, while they're not sure how scientists believe that birds can also detect the dip angles and this would help them know how, how far north or south they've moved.
1: Yeah. Which is kind of incredible, really. Like if you're at one position in the earth and you're like, okay, no, I need my magnetoreception organ to feel a different way. Yeah, And you just kind of keep flying until it feels exactly like that. It must be sensitive enough to detect differences over a short distance as well.
0: The way that I imagine it in your brain would be like, um, you just have like a vibrating pole. And if you're like closer to the equator, it doesn't vibrate that much. But like the closer you get to the poles, the more it vibrates. And you do it on like how much the vibration increases, how far you've gone. Okay.
1: I get a bit annoying, like, if you're on the North Pole and your head's just jiggling around.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I imagine. You don't see many birds, often penguins. I think think
1: they've kind of, like, uh, theorized they have a piece of magnetite in their nose or something. Right. And it pulls on muscles. Oh, okay. Depending on uh, how it's oriented or aligning with with magnetic poles.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And that's how they detect it, but
0: that's a theory. Yeah, we we just don't know. Again, like just the eels, know. the scientists just don't know. By the way, by when say, they we, we don't know about the eels. It's uh, eels having babies and mating, so prelude. Um, we just don't know how where more eels come from. It is
1: just a mystery.
0: <laughs> it is. It is a mystery. Which is weird
1: to think about. Like Eels are not the most uncommon thing, right? Yeah. Lots of countries eat them. But we just have no idea where the babies come from. Yeah,
0: maybe it is the Stalks this time. Maybe we've just I got the legend it's wrong. I heard it's, like le- it's electricity, possibly like that's causing it. Ah, yeah, makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, because electric eels in your modem. <laughs> yeah, know <laughs> What I think cartoons in like the early nineties, yeah, nineties and 200s. I was a lot more scared of being electrocuted by an eel than I probably should have been growing up. Yeah. Like, that, that trope of being like, oh, it's a piece of electric yields is like, that's never going to happen in real life. <laughs> James Bond and yeah. Indiana Jones set us Indiana up. Jones. Mm. Yeah. Like, like, the, like all the, the fire watch stuff as well. I was expecting, yeah. like, to be on fire a lot more as an adult. Stop, <laughs> drop, and roll. Stop, stop. stop and roll. <laughs> and only you can prevent yeah. forest fires. Yeah. Uh, also, We'd quicksand. <laughs> yeah, quicksand. I was, I, like, we know one. what to do. But the thing is, I've got, I think... Stuck before as a child in some mud that we shouldn't have been walking in, and I was like, Good thing I know what to do here. Flop, <laughs> <Just lay down>. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't thinking, yeah, that's the best thing to do. Um, I think we saw this before, but the weird alien advert, uh, the warning video advert thing about the, the one of the aliens that has a lighter and burns down its entire civilization no have you not do you remember this no he's able to find it but yeah essentially the an alien like finds a lighter thing like covers it com- Coverts it covers Cuppets. it yeah like golem golems it yeah goes all sneagle uh, on the lighter yeah yeah, then starts playing with it then accidentally burns down its entire civilization oh okay
1: they really do know how to target children, don't they? Like, that will stick in your head as a child. Yeah. Okay, fair. Uh. Yeah, all right. Have you ever been stung by, uh, electrocuted by an animal?
0: Electrocuted? Yeah. Do, do you class, like, a jellyfish as electrocution?
1: No, because that's stinging. That's using nematocysts. All right, Mr. Doctor to be. Cool. Look, uh, I had to do a whole module on <laughs> jellyfish. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever been that scared. Fun the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like what would? What yeah, would look be electric
1: eels, rays.
0: Rays. No.
1: Maybe that's about it. Electric eels, rays. I'm sure there's others, but less common. Common. Hmm. Yeah.
0: No. No, no. Well, that's an
1: experience you've got waiting for you, mate.
0: Yeah. Like, static just causes me enough pain. I don't think I want it from, like, a charged animal. <laughs> uh, moving on. Moving on. Moving on from the... Moving uh, on. <laughs> yes. Polarized light. Hmm. yeah. So, polarized light comes from a special kind of light wave, and it comes in many forms. I've actually got some sunglasses that polarizes light, and it's really funny... To go walking out, and like walk by rivers, because yeah. it polarizes at the top, so you can just see into the water, which is quite, quite unreal. But I just like that's how birds, some birds, view the water. Yeah, is one a kingfisher maybe? Um, but uh, it creates patterns in the sky that stays the same as the sun moves across the sky. So even if the the sky is cloudy, animals can still tell the position of the sun based on the pattern of polarized light. Uh, This navigation system is used by insects, amphibians, fish, and also birds. Which, again, is crazy to think about.
1: (laughs) Like, if you're seeing this trippy-ass pattern in the sky, that must be very detailed, because there are lots Mm. of wavelengths of light affecting it. Yeah. And just to remember how it changes as the sun is in each position is crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. Really cool. Yeah. The last one, uh, landscape maps, which is kind of more humanistic, but it's navigating around by knowing your route or visualizing it. Okay. Yeah. Which is how I navigate myself. Apparently it's quite weird for some people. Like, if I am going to try and go drive home to Devon and and I've driven one place, I'll just imagine where it is to navigate home. Like, the roads and all that sort of stuff Uh, to go home.
1: Yeah, Yeah, like the mental picture of each place you need to pass by and you can plan it in your head.
0: Yeah, just, like, every single step along the way as well. This is something that we've discussed before about how if I'm going to plan where I'm going to drive, I'm just going to fly through it in my head i'm going to visualize me flying through the whole journey
1: i don't do that but i have like specific landmarks along the way
0: okay yeah turn turn left at the big dipper turn right at the chuck e cheese yeah two turns after mcdonald's
1: am i lost oh wait no there's that landmark okay i'm on i'm on the right place and then x amount of time after that i should be here
0: it's a easy way to realize like you're struggling with like weight loss is when you start, like, navigating via food chains. And you turn left <laughs> after the McDonald's, turn right yeah. after the Pizza Hut, two turns after <laughs> the... Uh, no, it just gets worrying where it's like, right, turn left
1: after eating the Big Mac, turn right after getting <laughs> after the 12-piece <laughs> chicken yeah. nugget box. Oh. Um, the One more that I found really interesting, and it's only been observed in one non-human animal so far, is waymarking. Okay. So waymarking is where, and it has been shown in the wood mouse. So as I said, the first non-human animal to be observed doing both in the wild and under laboratory conditions, mm. basically while foraging or going somewhere away from its uh, nest, I think mice have nests, it will drag conspicuous objects such as leaves or twigs or other things that it can pick out, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then use those to orient itself on the way back. It's like if you go for a walk in the woods, uh, and you like leave ribbons on trees to be like, okay, this is the way I came, and then yeah. you follow the trail of ribbons back. It's exactly the same as that. Yeah,
0: it's also the start of a horror story. So maybe don't do
1: that. Oh, is it okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a two way street. It also means people can follow you. Uh- <laughs> yeah,
0: but yeah, so, very yeah. interesting. I didn't expect Hands that from a mouse. On Oh yeah, breadcrumbs. Yeah, breadcrumbs. And then the bird eats it. Sucks for them.
1: Silly bird sucks to yeah. suck.
0: You're that bad. was the, the, the one. Bad. Is bad. <laughs> uh the one thing that ruined that movie. And I quite liked it. I like Hansel Gretel, like witch hunters, animal hunters. Uh, uh yeah, no, I haven't seen it. It was the Americanization of Hansel. Was just okay. every time they say Hansel, it just ripped through me. And annoyed me.
1: Oh the so like so much. Pronunciation of the name.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. It's like um oh what game was it that it, it infuriated me. And only because the character says his name many times, I think it was uh what is the Far Cry four, I believe, is he like he's he's American character who's lived in America his whole life, most of his life goes to find his dad that dad, dad was like in um martin somewhere and he's like ah yeah my name's aj gale and he keeps to being like aj gale throughout the whole thing and then that anybody he talks he's like oh yeah uh, aj Gale. he's like i understand but yeah <laughs> he, he's told you his name's aj gale but what are do you doing? and every time he's like ah, oh, aj i'm like it's aj yeah that stuff annoys me
1: in films when like one a few people say it right and then the next scene someone else says it completely wrong and it's like surely the person directing this knows like what your name is meant to be maybe but Uh, like surely when someone (laughs) when you ask someone their name and they're like it's tom you don't then go oh okay i should pronounce it tim
0: yeah Yeah, the uh best mismanation at the moment happening online and loads of people are getting so agitated by it um some dragon ball z characters got added to fortnite okay uh and they do a power move which in dragon ball z is called the kamehameha um but there's loads of like young content creators who have never seen dragon ball z and I just mispronouncing the absolute ever living hell out of it. And it is so funny just to re- listen to them and be like, Kamehi, Kamehiha, Kamehiha. <laughs> and then people's like, uh, what?
1: <laughs> like, cause like stuff like Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon were so integral to like our generation's childhood. Like to me that is childhood. And maybe this is revealing my age. But like <laughs> Being a child and not growing up with that is, to me, is a bit like what?
0: Yeah, they got way better cartoons these days. Do they? Like we've got full nostalgia goggles, but there, there's some absolutely like also wacky, absolutely wacky ones. Like in the Night Garden is an absolute trip.
1: Yeah, that rings a bell.
0: Oh, uh, there's like a roundabout and they fly into some bags and stuff. And there's like small, cre- it's, it gets a bit weird. Yeah, it it's a bit weird. Okay, but fair. on the cartoon front, there's like our house, loads of awesome new things that children are just like, so good. So I watch nice. it as well. Uh, yeah, All right. It. Tangented again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pull yeah. this, pull this back. We, got, got, we, we got eight, it, six minutes.
0: Yeah. Anything you would like to cover? I will summarise my last bit about the bird thing that I was going to talk about. Yeah. Um, the scientists finally, this, this is a bit, a bit old, but they haven't, and nothing new since. But scientists have finally found evidence that the freight, freight bird sleeps while flying.
1: Ah, uh, okay. it like lock its wings into place.
0: Yeah, so they kind of had like... For many years, scientists conjectured that long-range birds could sleep while aloft, despite having no evidence whatsoever to support that claim. Until recently, a new study about the great freight frigate bird, published earlier uh, that year in the Nature Communions, uh, stated that um, blah 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 blah. There were a bunch of issues that it couldn't. It just couldn't go into the water purely because if it touched the water, it would become waterlogged and it would drown. So there's like, For sure. There's no other way of it it being able to like stay in the water. But what they actually did was they found a nesting population in the Galapagos Islands because all, all, all the cool stuff happens there. Um, they, they found they were quite tame after years of constant observation. And then he said he got his team to capture 15 of the birds and implant um, EEG. So electrical, um, <laughs> I can't say that. Encephalographs uh, into their skulls because EEGs measure electrical activity in the brain. Uh, the researchers were able to tell when the birds were awake and when they were sleeping, they also implanted an, elex- elex- accelerator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Accelerometer. Uh, told them how fast they were going and what direction they're traveling in so when they downloaded the data a few weeks later they found that the frigate birds do sleep while flying Uh, they sleep very little about 45 minutes each day in short 10 second bursts usually after dark that's pretty mad Mm -hmm. so while sleeping mid-flight they don't go completely on autopilot the birds often will sleep with only one side of their brain, leaving the other side awake. Um, most animals that do this half-brain sleeping to stay alert from predators, but the frigate birds have no natural predators in the sky. So that's how they they the scientists suspect that they remain half awake not to prevent predators, but so that they, they it prevents mid-air collisions. Um couldn't prove that because no it, mid-air collisions happened during the study but you know it just proves how good they are at it um, yeah. and they use circling thermal to updraft to gain more altitude before gliding really long distances fair yeah it's
1: pretty mad dolphins do a similar thing yeah uh, it's called uni hemispheric slow wave sleep and it's basically yeah you just shut down half the brain And in the dolphin's case, it allows them to still come up to the surface and breathe. Okay. Otherwise, you know, they'd have to wake up every time they need to breathe. So they kind of go on like autopilot with half their brain off and with like one eye open, one eye shut.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And it means they can stay in like a state, and they actually tested this somewhat. I don't know how ethical it was, but they managed to keep two dolphins in a state of high alert for 15 days. Now, you'd imagine that would be pretty intense to do with no sleep. Right. But they were managed to stay constantly alert for 15 days. Um, So, yeah, they were obviously getting like sleep in there. And for migratory species, it's very important, especially with those birds, frigate Mm -hmm. birds, freight birds, as you say. Um, You've got to have a way to rest without being stuck on like the water surface where you can just be eaten. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. Very cool indeed. Uh, my, the last thing I was going to speak about, and there's no way we can do it now because it's two whole pages of my notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but I will give a couple of facts well, is dial vertical migration. Now, right. in terms of biomass, this is the largest migration on the planet and it happens twice a day when the sun goes up, when the sun rises and when the sun sets. Mm -hmm. Basically, uh, also known as diurnal vertical migration is the pattern of movement used by some organisms such as copepods living in the ocean and in lakes. Migration occurs when organisms move from the uppermost layer of the sea at night and return to the bottom uh, of the daylight zone during the day. And yeah, in terms of biomass, it's the largest synchronous migration in the world. Um, Kind of, you're thinking zooplankton you're thinking uh, phytoplankton here, and the predators that follow them, such as mollusks, ray, fin fishes, uh, copepods,
0: that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, oh, so basically, to be honest, I think anybody in the economy at the moment is a copepod, <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all? Aren't we just saying, coping, just seeing what we can land on.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I personally think this is one of the most interesting kind of like large collective animal behavioural patterns to, to to witness but we're not exactly sure why it happens we think all of the phytoplankton and plankton come up during the night because they'd be seen at day and it's easy, easier for predator avoidance they don't mm-hmm. stay up there all the time even though that's where the food is yeah. you know obviously the risk doesn't outweigh the reward in that sense but it mm-hmm. does mean that all of the uh, predators follow them up as well and it basically without the dial vertical migration, without all of these copepods and stuff coming up and being eaten by the fish that are normally there, it basically fuels the mesopelagic um, metabolism requirements. Like we would not have the fishing industry or the fishing life or just the fish that are there in our oceans without this being a thing. So it's, it's super important. For the planet, as well as human food sources.
0: Yes, I too eat human food, and I'm a human like you.
1: Yes, we are definitely humans. <laughs> All right. That will bring us to the end of today's show then, I guess. And <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, we diverted along our migration today, but there was a definite start, and here is a definite <laughs> end. So I think we fulfill the requirements for having migrated through this topic.
0: Yes, very efficiently. I, I believe we've efficiently gone through. Oh, 100%. 100%. All right.
1: 100%. Don't forget then to share this with your friends, families, co-workers, scientists, uh, anyone migrating through your path. Just give them a link. I'm sure they'll enjoy it. Every lesson counts. And if you want more information, fun, science, you can follow us on Twitter at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening to this right now. Likes and ratings are really appreciated. So yeah, we have been the Information Entropy Podcast, hopefully decreasing some of the information, uh, entropy of the information in your lives. But uh, yeah, we'll try harder next. (laughs) Next,
0: next nah, time, maybe. N- <laughs> nah. Well, <laughs> maybe. maybe.
1: <laughs> all right. Anything else to shout out, mate?
0: No, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, if you want some cool AI photos the oh, yeah. that are being made, uh, AI underscore art project. Uh, check them out. Doing On Instagram, well. by the On way, Instagram, that is. yeah. Uh, just a bunch of cool pictures currently currently doing logos which is always interesting and fun um apps maps the psychedelic ones currently also in the background playing around with tarot cards because that's another thing that's incredibly Ooh. cool yeah some uh some cool things going on there so check it out
1: all righty well you know where to go then so we shall catch you guys next week Peace.